Time for Sex, the podcast. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sexist isn't good enough. No, time for, time for sex. Hey everyone, welcome to Sex the Podcast. Erica Miley here. Today's episode is going to be a solo episode, just me and you. We're going to talk about sex and conflict. What happens to the body during a conflict? How do you come back from it? How do you establish maybe a makeup ritual or how to repair so that you can have some fun? <laughs> Hiya, everyone. Glad you're here. Glad we're going to talk about something that's pretty tough for a lot of couples to talk about, for a lot of relationships to deal with. So we're going to talk about sex and conflict and sex and fighting. So what happens for you and your partner when you have a fight? It's usually one of those last times that you want to have sex, right? I mean, some people will say like that some of their fights give them sexual energy, which definitely can happen. But for many of us, conflict causes our physiology to go out of whack. Well, actually not necessarily go out of whack, but it, it, it does something that it is programmed to do, our fight or flight or freeze mechanisms. So basically, we are made to be able to, if we see something that's scary to us, if we see something that uh, might threaten us in some way, or cue our threat system, in other words, our body makes some decisions very quickly. That amygdala, that part of our brain that's kind of like a it's like a smoke detector and it goes off and says, hey, hey, yo, you need to run. You need to play dead or you need to fight. So say there's a cheetah. You see the cheetah. You go, hmm, I'm not necessarily going to win this fight. So I might be able to run or I might be able to play dead. Your body reacts in times of conflict very similarly than if there was a cheetah in the room. And we necess we haven't necessarily evolved enough for our brain to, our body anyway, to tell the difference between a cheetah and having a fight with our partner. So our body is going to do roughly the same thing. So that being said, if you're in a fight with your your partner in and you want to connect with them. We're going to we're going to talk a little bit about repair here in a second, but to be able to de-escalate the conflict. One of the ways that I often have my couples do this is I have them make what's called the 20-minute rule. So if both people are flooded and they're saying things they don't mean or if they're trying to hurt each other and they're getting nowhere or they've shut down and they're not the fight isn't going forward and people are only getting hurt. I instruct my couples to take 20 minutes now. And I mean actually taking 20 minutes, using an egg timer, using your phone timer, whatever the case may be, and take 20 minutes to walk away and then come back. That's the trick. You have to come back. <laughs> Oftentimes, many, many people will have a fight, leave it where it is, and then never come back to that argument. And then it, the tension and frustration or resentment, just you, it's like picking up your bags and, and moving forward without having sorted through those bags or <laughs> anything like that. So that being said, the 20-minute rule is actually very, very helpful for you physiologically. 
it takes you approximately 20 minutes to process those fight or flight or freeze chemicals that run through your body that prepare your body for the fight to play dead or to run. So once you have kind of reached that moment, that moment of, okay, I've calmed down enough to where that I can use that wonderful front part of my brain, that prefrontal cortex that can help me make logical decisions that help me talk to my partner that's somewhere based according to my values rather than saying something that you wouldn't necessarily want to say or want to hurt your the person that you love or people that you love. So that's why I often instruct my couples to try the 20-minute rule and to keep trying it. it. If it continues to escalate over and over and over again, 20 minutes every single time, oftentimes that, that will rub some people the wrong way because they want to solve the problem right now when in reality you don't necessarily need to solve the problem right now you don't necessarily have to um i have people <laughs> they they make that uh that uh i hear people say don't go to bed angry or um, or they'll say, you know, you just can't just let a problem keep, keep happening and happening and happening. When in reality, not every problem that we have in relationships is solvable. The issue is, is how you're trying to have the fight. Can you have the fight in a productive way? Can you find a way to communicate with one another that allows you to get your point across and help someone understand your perspective and maybe then you understanding their perspective and still maybe not come to an agreement, but at least you've kept the relationship, which is the aim, right? We're made for connection. And so the aim of a conflict should be to grow and learn about one another rather than someone having to take the other side. Now, uh, in our culture today, that's very difficult, <laughs> but that's, uh, that's for another show. <laughs> but I, I want people to think about conflict maybe in a different way and think about it as an opportunity for growth. Now, how, how do we relate this directly to sex? Oftentimes when you've had a fight, many people don't feel, you know, you'll walk away with hurt feelings and you don't necessarily feel like in the mood or like you want to connect to that person. Sometimes you want distance, not not every time, but sometimes you want distance. So making repair attempts. Now, this is something that I work with people and their partners. If you want to build a relationship and build a way to have conflict that ends with a repair repair begins earlier than you might think repair begins before the fight I know that kind of sounds funny but if you can come at your relationships with the idea that I want to repair with this person my my goal is to keep this person in my life my goal is to lift them up and not hurt them. So that, that, that allows you to have an attitude of repair. So now, now all that being said, what repair means is we in small ways figure out ways that our partners receive love. So, and those ways often are great ways to repair. Now, an a, a repair attempt is not enough. So 
for example, uh, a couple is having a fight and one of the members of the couple makes a funny face to try to lighten the mood or try to de-escalate. Well, if that didn't work, that attempt is not necessarily enough. So the simple act of making repair, not quite enough. Knowing what your significant other needs and what what they need to be able to feel understood in the context of conflict will help you figure out ways to more effectively be able to de-escalate the argument. Now, how does your partner receive love? This is a hard question to answer. It, and it's not necessarily a question you should guess at. <laughs> this might be a great opportunity for you and your partner or partners to sit down and say, how do you receive love? How do you know that when I do these things that I love you? So for instance, I'll use a personal example for my husband and I, for me, he shows me love by making sure that the the cars have the oil changed. <laughs> that makes me feel really loved because that's not something I really want to think about. He makes sure all of those things happen in a timely manner. I don't ever has, have to ask him to do that. And, he, and it's something that we've had conversations around. For him, making sure... Th- maybe making sure his laundry is folded. Now that sounds domestic and all of those things, but he, and he would never make me do that. I do that when put them away so that he can feel that love because that's one of those things and one of the ways that he may feel love. Now, that being said, when it when we're in the midst of conflict, when, when partners and couples are in the midst of conflict, Oftentimes, reaching for those those ways that a partner feel love can feel loved. Those are often the best re- repair attempts. So, say your significant other really appreciates and feels love with physical touch. Maybe an, a repair attempt for that conflict might involve physical touch. Maybe not as far as sex, but maybe it's a touch on the arm, a touch on the leg. And this is something that I hope and that that I'm going to encourage you to do is sit down and talk about this. Again, I'm going to repeat it. You do not have to guess when it comes to what does your partner need to feel loved. And your partner should not have to guess what you need to feel loved. This can be a conversation that you can have together where you sit down and you say, I need to know this so that when we do have a fight, I know how to make an attempt to make things better. Oftentimes couples will come in to, you know, they'll seek therapy way late in the game. They'll, they'll wait till things are the worst they can get. And so therapy is a a last ditch effort, right? Oftentimes couples that I see are, that are fairly successful are coming into therapy well before things are really, really bad. 
they come in and they say, you know, we just need, we need, we need a checkup or we need the, the relationship oil change <laughs> so that you're having these conversations about how to fight with each other, how to make repair attempts. We are not given relationship manuals when we get into a relationship, right? We're, we're not born with that. We're none of that. None of us are born knowing how to do this. So it is okay to seek help outside of your relationships to be able to build skills so that you can maintain this relationship or relationships that are so important to you. Now, again, sit down, have a conversation, discuss what your needs are and aren't. Because maybe maybe your partner might be trying to say something with their actions and think that they're being clear when in reality you're not understanding those messages. So being able to sit down and have a very clear conversation about what your wants and needs and how you receive love or not is really, really important when it comes to conflict. Now, when it comes to being able to have sex or make up sex, those repair attempts may, may or may not, everybody's a little different, right? May, may or may not involve sex. So I brought up the, the fight or flight or freeze chemicals in your body for a specific reason. When, when that happens in our body, we're not, our body is not sending messages for sex, typically. When you're in fight or flight or freeze, when you're in that threat system, your body is trying to go, okay, we're preparing for to do one of these three things. We're not preparing for sex. We're not preparing for uh, connection. We're not preparing for any of that. We're preparing to get away or fight back or play dead. That's what it's preparing for. So if you get an opportunity to take a break, take that 20 minutes then be able to make your repair attempts for both of you or whoever you, whoever this argument is with. You will have a better opportunity for both of you to then have sex later if that's what you want to do. Now, oftentimes people believe, I mean, it's not to say that having sex and being turned on quickly isn't, isn't a thing, but many times when, a, when people have been in a relationship for a very long time, sex doesn't just start when you go to the bed. <laughs> sex begins far earlier than that. Sex begins with a touch, with a look, with making plans to be able to get free time and for people who have families sex has to be in much earlier because you may have to find okay we know that this is what we need to do to make sure that the kids are somewhere else <laughs> or oh we know we have a date night this night so okay we need to make sure that we make these plans around this so planning sex and planning for sex is not a bad thing <laughs> In especially in relationships that have been long-term relationships, oftentimes, and couples come, they, they love to uh, uh, tell me, but I want spontaneous. Oftentimes when you've been living a life that has a family and children, and or, or say you have a, a life that um, is polyamorous, you have other partners and other schedules to think about, Spontaneous sex is wonderful when it can happen, but when there's 
other factors that are kind of impeding on your life, scheduled sex is wonderful because then you know that you and your partner will have time for that connection. So the relationship between between conflict and sex can be uh, murky because sometimes we forget that when we're when we're our body is aroused not necessarily even sexual arousal just aroused that heart rate goes up and and you feel that flush go across your body that can be sexually arousing to some people so what i mean to what i mean for all of you to understand is that conflict for many people does not necessarily kickstart their libido. <laughs> doesn't necessarily kickstart them wanting to have sex. So considering who your partner is, figure out who they are. And I'm not saying sit down and like try to read their mind. That's not it at all. Like I said before, have very clear conversations and ask questions what do you need from me to know that you feel loved or that what do you need from me to be able to plan for sex what do you need from me when we've had a fight and when we want to repair and then plan for sex however this looks for you being able to be clear is a big key now i'm not going to sit here and say communication is the 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 solver of all relationship problems it it really isn't it's learning the skills to communicate well so that may take some something like going to therapy or it might take learning by reading some books and especially if it's skills that you don't already have like I said, we're not born and handed the, the rule book for relationships. So remember how to have a conversation to be able to figure out how each one of you needs to feel love. Learn how to make repair attempts and then follow through with those attempts. Not just one attempt and then call it a day. <laughs> Those attempts are not necessarily the only thing that will work. Finding, figuring out how to be able to have a good fight, how to fight fair, and fairness for both of you might mean something different. Some people are triggered by swearing. Some people are triggered by yelling. Figuring out what are your, I often talk about, talk to my couples about this, as far as like rules of engagement not rules of getting married, but rules of war. What are your rules of war? How do you have a fight? What are things that make you as a person shut down? Or what are things that make you yell if that's something that you typically kind of resort to when you're having a fight? Really thinking about how do you have a fight how do you repair from those fights? And then how does your partner receive love and how do you receive love? So those are kind of the three main takeaways from this podcast. If you have questions or if you have 
um, if you would like to know more information or want to gain a resource for marital therapy, feel free to contact me. Come to ericamiley.com. There's a, uh, there, it'll pop up a box for you to put your email in, um, and you'll start receiving my newsletter, which I think you would love by the way. (laughs) Um, but also jump on there and jump in the contact section and hit me up if you've got questions. You can also jump on Facebook. I've got a I've got a page on there as well. I would be happy to answer questions or find you a resource. Like if you're looking for uh, marriage counseling in your state, I'd be happy to find a resource for you. So, three takeaways: figure out what how to have a fight with your partner. H- how does you you and your partner know you're receiving love from the other? And how do you want to have fights? That's kind of the main takeaway. Anyway, I would love to hear from every single one of you. Like I said, jump on the website, put your email in there. I'd love to be able to send you a newsletter and connect with you. If you have questions, I'd be happy to answer them. I'm still taking a few clients if you're in the state of Washington. And uh, you can also find me on my website for that as well, ericamiley.com. Thank you all for sticking around. I hope you have a wonderful week. See ya. It is time for Ask a Sex Nerd. So this week, I'm going to talk about something that I I feel like this question happens all the time for, yeah, probably every sex therapist, sex educator. Um, the question is, does size matter? Does penis size matter? So... The consensus is when they've, and they have asked women um, in various, many, many studies about this actually, um, that whether, whether or not they thought their partner's penis was big enough. Now, most women, not all, most women agree that it is how that penis is used. And if you think about it, that is ultimately the case because we only have so much depth to give as far as vaginas go. Um, Vaginas are not, they are typically anywhere, and this is everybody varies, everybody's biology varies. Um, They are roughly-ish, two to five inches deep-ish. I'm saying ish because again every person is a little different so that being said penises on average run from two to seven inches ish again there is variability among that as well but here's the thing it comes down to are you connected to your partner are you asking questions of your partner and finding out what they like again goes back to how do you use it and typically the people who care more about penis size are men and this is something that I think this question is often uh, men are marketed to as well about this I mean I'm sure many many men and women have gotten uh, in their email box, uh, you know, how to have a bigger penis, like the, the scary creams and things like that that are offered on the internet. So, the end of the day, does size matter? 
ultimately, not all that much. It is, are you connecting with your partner? Are you communicating with your partner? Are you finding out what they like? So there's the answer to that. If you have any other questions, I would love to answer them. The sex nerd would love to answer them. Uh, Erica at ericamiley.com. Shoot me an email. Ask me your questions or jump on Facebook. I'd love to answer your question too. Um, You can shoot me a a Facebook message if, if that is something you're more comfortable with. See you all next week. Thanks for sticking around to the end. Come check out ericamiley.com. Sign up for my newsletter. I would love to send you something once a month. No more than that. Uh, No, I ain't got time for more than that. (laughs) So uh, I'd love to send you my newsletter. Um, Also, if you are interested in, I've still got a couple slots for clients. If you're a Washington State resident, Uh, and you're interested in that, ericamiley.com. Shoot me an email. You can also email me, erica at ericamiley.com. Also, uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes. You can find it on Google Play and Podbean. Uh, Just search Erica Miley. I would love for you all to rate and review, and please subscribe so that 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 podcast will come right to you, and you don't have to think about it. It'll just come right to your phone or however you listen to your podcasts. I uh, hope you all have a fantastic week. See you next time. Hey, y'all. I want you to check out another podcast. It's called Very Dark and Very Quick. Oh, my gosh. They're so funny. Here's a little spot from them. Check it out. Very Dark, Very Quick is a delicious talk and variety show. Squished around interviews with a side order of skits, a double heaving of characters, and hot steaming wins. Each episode, Mike and Aaron order up a new topic and serve it up to you as the Blue Plate Special Du Jour. You can catch Very Dark Very Quick on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and blogtalkradio.com. Very Dark Very Quick is a member of the Astro Panda Network. Vegan friendly, MSG and GMO free.